Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Fins Up podcast. I'm your host, Terry, but uh, I am not joined by my usual colleague, Dan, for the night. He's been hijacked by his kids and he's still in a filthy mood from the game last weekend. So, look, I went out and, and thought about who I could bring on board and I negotiated a uh, one-week release from the Sharkcast pod. So I bring you tonight Tristan Cannell talking with TK... All the great podcasts out there. Welcome to the show, buddy. After, you know, we we're all involved in the Sharkies and we all love the Sharkies, so it's, it's a pleasure to be on, mate. Mate, this has been a long time coming. I hit you up, um, I think I hit you up last year or the year before, but sort of never followed through and then COVID came and we, uh, yeah, everything sort of got in the way, so... But you're here now. Um, you you know you're on you're on another sharks podcast to talk uh, another sharks game where we didn't perform well and just chat some general. So what's going on? What's good with you? Looking forward to it, man. Like you, we're pretty disappointed about how like ever since the Brisbane game. Let's be honest, it's just been an absolute downhill. It's like COVID and the Sharkies have just coincided to to just wreck our lives a little bit here. And I know, I know overseas, obviously, it's going a lot worse than what we've got here, but. Just for shits and giggles, just talking about the Sharkies and what's happening here, like, oh man, sometimes I don't look forward to watching the Sharkies on the weekend because we get so close, but we get so far, Tez. Look, they're, they're, they're my respite, but they're also the cause of my stress as well. Like, every weekend I look forward to it. When are the Sharks playing? My kids love them. You know, we get all excited and then, you know, just before kickoff, I'm like, why do I do this? You know, why do I do it? Um, I could have followed my old man and been a Manly fan. You know, he's, he's sitting pretty at the moment, you know. We would, but just remember, they haven't won a comp since, what, 2008? So we've got Two, that wood 11, on, 2011. 11? Yeah. Oh, we'll just scrap that. That was a soft year, yeah. let's be honest. <laughs> 2016, we've beat them by five years, mate. Yeah. So at least we've got that up our sleeves. But, mate, we just love the Sharks. And how good is this? You know, COVID's not great, but at least it's good that we can connect. And I'm sure that once we get back to a home game, we'll all meet up, have a few schooners, and we've got a new group, you know. Yeah, so we do. Um Look, so, so it's one of my favourite questions that I, I get to ask people um, when they come on the show that haven't been on here before. So talk to me, how did you become a shark, TK? Mate, I grew up out west. So I grew up out at Quakers Hill, so that's our Blacktown way, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm a Penrith my... boy. Oh, yeah, yeah, nice. So all my cousins went for the Sharkies when I was a young bloke, and I was about four years old. And my cousin Daniel, he had a just whole heap. He was a mad card collector. And he's doubles, he used to give me all the doubles, but one day I just went over to to his house and he ended up having heaps of doubles and all the sharkies. So I just fell in love with this light blue, sky blue jersey, got a couple of ET cards, and that's kind of where it all kind of kicked off. And you know what it's like. How old are you, Ted? 35. Yeah, so I'm three years older than you, but you know what it's like, late 80s, early 90s, like... The year I started was the minor premiership year. I'm not putting that down. And obviously, Fit, that was Fitzy's dad that coached that team as well. I'm not putting that down to me, but it was a great it was a great time to jump on. Yeah, we look, literally came first, right? Yeah. So. Um, well, I mean, we, we we had we had a great regular season, but the end to it was uh, was not so good. Um, look, similar story, not not from me, but a friend of mine, Alex, and and a few people who um, listen to this podcast, they'll know Al. He's a larrikin. He's actually moved back over to the UK, but I started working with Alex in twenty sixteen, and 
he was this young 20-year-old kid, um, a proper geezer from, you know, the hard streets of London. And he, his parents had sent him out to Australia because he was just up to no good over in England. Anyway, he came out here, he, he got fucking worse, you know what I mean? But I started bringing him to some footy games and he came to 14 games with us on the road everywhere and we won all the games. And the minute he stopped coming, we, we started losing. So we figured out that Alex was the key to this. And, you know, the minute we made the grand final, we, you know, I rang him and said, mate, you've got to, like, you've got to come. And he goes, I can't afford it. So don't worry about that. Fade a conflict. So <laughs> he literally cherry picked like 20 weeks of being a Sharks fan, won a premiership and never came back. So Yeah, good. Well, shout out to Alex. I'm sure he's listening. Yeah, so. yeah, he's, he does. He, he, sends me a, he sends me a clip every morning of him uh, walking to work in the UK now. So... I miss him, um, I really do. But uh, let's let's talk about uh, last weekend's game, um, just briefly because I don't want to relapse the memories. But um, you know, Newcastle were just a bit too good for us. Um, you know, looking at the stats, very even team. You know, good completion rates. Our defense was a lot better. Our ruck was super tight. Like we did not yep. get we did not get beat up the ruck. And you have a look at someone like David Clemmer, whose stats were phenomenal against us, and you mm. think that. You know, we kept him quiet and he had 176 metres. So, yep. I don't know. Where did it all go wrong? It says, you know, you hate the middle. You know, the softies, Woodsy, Tolman, et cetera, et cetera. Sammy does as well. And I know Dan does as well. And so do I. But I've got to admit, for the first time, you know, we'll say, you know, in COVID, we don't, we haven't had much to cheer about. But what you just brought up, the middle actually did all right last week. Yeah. Like, out of all the weeks, I was actually pretty impressed. And it kind of was like... I wouldn't call it semi-final intensity last week, but it was kind of like you could tell that two teams trying to battle to make the finals. Yeah. Like, it was very similar to our semi-final, like, against Canberra. No disrespect to Canberra, but they were never going to win the comp last year, and we were never going to win the comp last year. It's kind of one of those things that you're kind of battling out. You mm-hmm. are finals teams, but you're not. Yeah. Sort of, you're not, not going to win the comp. So, I was pretty impressed for the first time that, you know, I've been pretty critical of our middle, but I still would... Maybe it's because Braden started back at number eight, and... Him and Toby usually do pretty well together. And then Jack Williams on the edge, even though I don't think it's his position, I still think he played pretty well last week. And then it's one of those things, just little errors here and there, you know, a couple of lapses by Sione on that wing. That's two tries. And that's pretty much the only time they looked like they were going to expose us with those two tries. Yeah, and, and I mean, that, that that second finish from Anari Tuala was just, that was freaky. Like his foot was less than an inch from the sideline and he managed to step back in like, I don't know. Not even one blade of grass was facing the wrong way. <laughs> that breeze did nothing for us. But look, there's you, you can bring up things here and there about how you know we're in that we lost the game. We lost the game on the first kickoff because yep. you know we catch that ball. We we don't lose the game. So what is it about being a Sharks fan that we just do it so tough, mate? Like seriously, when I, I cracked the beer open straight up, I'm sure that you did as well. First minute in, and you just got your hand in your head, and you're just going. What is going on? Can I just have a? Can I just win by thirty? Just today, I want to crack a few beers and be happy. I don't want these tight games, and I want the other idiotic team to score in the first minute. Yeah, it I was, just want a good one. It was the fastest try in a decade, and we yeah. conceded it. And it was it was so shit as well. Like you saw it coming. Block play, block play out the back. Pierce, brilliant yep. ball. Um, 
But it reminds me what you just said that about why, you know, why do we do it tough? I, I remember um, 2016, I, I went to watch the Europa League final because I'm a Liverpool <laughs> fan, right? I went yeah, nice. The, yeah. I went to watch the Europa League final at Star City Casino and we're up, Liverpool up 1 0, and then they go, it's 1 all, and then two minutes later, it's 2 1. And this scouser turns around and goes, we never do it the easy way. We never do it the easy way. Anyway, it goes 3-1, and all the Liverpool fans are sitting there crying, and this bloke still got his shirt off. He's still swinging around. He's still singing. Full time comes, we've lost, and he's the only one having a good time. And he's like, he's like, he goes, we'll be back. We'll be back, you know. And, and look, the, 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 there's light at the end of the tunnel because obviously you look at 2022 and, you know, that's further on down our podcast, but... You look at 2022 and there is light at the end of the tunnel, but you're right, we never do it the easy way. 37 seconds in, we're 6-0 down. And then Jesse Ramian exploded and just took that game over. He was the best player on the park. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah, I actually agree with that. He's in my fantasy team, so I keep a very close eye on him. His tackle breaks, Terry, absolutely phenomenal. Like I see, I think they just got to get him early, Paul. Yeah. I think he's he's got to back himself. Like He's kind of like a little bit like you and Aiken. He doesn't like the pass. I'm mm. doing that. So Sione's going to, you know, really rely on his half to get some tries going on there because, let's be honest, he does blow a few opportunities. But Jesse's kind of – me and Sam talked about this last week. He's kind of growing into his role. Like, me and Sam both said he's got a – he's like a 7 out of 10 right now. But I see a potential for a 9 out of 10 in a representative centre in that guy, mate. So if Fitz can really take over him, I think he's, he's got a good coach that can really bring him through. Yeah, look, he's his first year with us in 2018. We, you know, you you're looking at it, going, Jesus Christ, we've got a representative centre, and then he goes to the Knights, and you know, you have a look at the recruitment drive that the Knights did, and you just think that his career is going to go from strength to strength, and he is going to get that opportunity. And and they were talking about Bradman Best then, and you're thinking this combination of Bradman Best and Ramian was just going to be phenomenal. But yeah, look, he's come back to us, and and there's obviously some underlying. You know issues whether he's whether it was confidence or whatever, but his back half to the year at the moment has been sensational. Um, I did say he was the best player on the park. I think he, you know, he was definitely the best player on the park for us. But I think Mitch Barnett was right up there with him as well, and that was a player that I just was not expecting to do what he did to us. Yeah, Mitch Barnett's an interesting one because they keep switching in between the edge and middle. I just think he's an edge player. I think he can stay on for eighty minutes. He runs totally good lines, and I think the biggest thing, Terry, he protects his half. He protects yeah. himself so well. And I think that's something that Braden kind of lacks right now because I don't know where Braden is right now, mate. He's on another planet. So can you imagine if kind of he was protecting like Braden? Like yeah. a lot of the stuff, like realistically, that first try, even though we did say it was kind of Katoa misread, it was kind of Braden tried to, what did he do? He jammed in. So that brought in Dramey in and that kind of signaled Katoa to move in. And that's because he's got no real confidence in the guy inside him. Mm. So. If he's got someone like a Mitch Barnett, every team needs a Mitch Barnett because he's not a superstar. But guess what? He does 50 tackles a game, 150 metres, all the tough stuff, and he's just worth every single cent. Yeah, the fact the fact that they put Lachlan Fitzgibbon on that edge over him is is a crime um, when you have a look at the performance. And and 14 all, Luke Metcalf makes that break. And if he gets past Barnett, we're probably 30 oh, metres. Yeah. And he just... He had the slight of mind to see that Metcalf was falling and he just took the ball off him. Yeah, it was test- a brilliant play. Mate, is he Ryan Poppenhausen's like twin brother? Like yeah, seriously. He's, he's diet he's diet Ryan Poppenhausen at the moment. He's so raw, isn't he? Like there's there's a there's a sensational footballer in, in Luke Metcalf. 
you know, we're talking about before us growing up in the 80s, you know, early 90s. Like, those two guys, like, when you think about it, they're ringing wet 70 kilos, aren't they, mate? Yeah. Like, that's the old school sort of an 80s, 90s thing without these big physiques that we've seen over the last 20 years. Like, I love it because it's just bringing back the little guy. And these guys which is genuine pace and actually know how to actually play footy. That's kind of coming back in. So let's say we let's hope we see a bit more Lukey over the next few weeks because I think he's got a little bit there. Yeah, it's, it, it's you know Will Kennedy as well would have to be sixty kilos, ringing wet in the shower. Like, <laughs> there's not much of Will Kennedy, but he has turned into some some football. Like at the beginning of the year, Dan and I did a podcast, and we turned and basically one of the questions that we asked ourselves were who do we replace Will Kennedy with? And yeah. if we were saying like Ryan Pappenhausen's off contract. You got to go and give him a million dollars. Who else Mate, was off contract? You, Joey you Martin, were you know? not alone. Like I think every Sharks fan was thinking, especially at the start of the year, Will Kennedy. Will Kennedy's always shown us little glimpses, hasn't he? Yeah. But he's also sports us with a drop ball at the wrong time or a drop bomb at the wrong time, and he's just put the wrong impression. But I was even saying to the boys I do a podcast with, it's like they didn't realise that when Dally M's closed, Will Kennedy was fifth on the Dally M ladder. Like he would be picking up points every week that we perform well. Yeah, I reckon he'll finish in the top ten, Terry. Yeah, like, seriously, he will. And 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 you're talking about a crazy year for fullbacks. Like Tom Trevojevic is just absolutely mental. But you know, Will Kennedy in any other year would be the best fullback in the competition with his stats that he's got at the moment. No doubt. It'd be nice if the Dallium actually brought in like a most improved. Like that'd be fantastic because Will would be right up there. Like, yeah, I think you'd, I think you'd probably get it pinched from Jack Williams though at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. He's improved as well. Yeah. So those two boys, and you know, to see Fitz put a bit of confidence in them, especially with Will, to give him that big extension of three years. Mm. So that's a lot of confidence, especially he's got Nico as well. So it's one of those things that he signed Nico after extending Will Kennedy. So that's so much confidence he's got in him. Yeah. Um. Look, with Will, like, the the errors that he make, he's making at the moment are, like, when he has to rush a catch and pass or, you know, it's a small knock-on. I, I don't get frightened anymore when a high ball goes up. Like, last year when a high ball went up, I would stick my head under the sheets and pray to God that the commentators didn't say Will Kennedy spilt the bomb. This yep. year, I'm surprised if Kennedy doesn't take that bomb. And they put a kick up and everyone came running through and he just soared above and took it. Yep, totally he's, agree. He's in I think great he's form. Safe as houses, and like what you said, I think we can live with him because he's our main attacking threat, right? So if he makes an error in the 20, it's one of those things with the rushing defense most of the time that he gets done. It is what it is. At least he's taking a chance to actually get it on. He's our best chance at scoring a try. So at least he's there touching the ball. Yeah. That's my biggest thing, him touching the ball. Absolutely. Now, another player as well on the weekend that I couldn't believe the game that he had, but Toby Rudolph, a career-high 59 tackles. Yeah, man, he's Redcliffe boy, wasn't he? Like, yeah. I think he's, wasn't he calling the return to Redcliffe? Yeah, the, the the king returns. He put he put <laughs> up on Instagram as well. So he's he's a funny man. I know that he's been on your pod a couple of times as well, but he did one recently with bloke in the bar. Yeah, he was calling he was calling himself. Did you hear that one? Where he was calling himself the mortal of of reserve grade or something? Yeah, so I think he won he won two reserve grade. You know how they do the state cup and the reserve grade? Yeah, he won two in a row. Yeah, the two in the row plus the man in the match two in a row as well. Yeah, he, so he, he was he was the he was the first player as well to go from Queensland Cup to New South Wales Cup and win it all. So <laughs> he's a very funny man. He's a machine. The, story, the stories of him getting kicked out of like Coogee Bay Pavilion, all sorts of stuff. Like, yeah, he's, he's a classic. I'm glad they were extended. He's a, he's a he's just he would have fitted in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, the first the first time Dan and I um um 
interviewed Toby. He hadn't played a game. He just, you know, we just won the state cup and um, we were supposed to do a podcast with Toby in my office, but my manager wouldn't leave. And she was pretty funny about outsiders coming into the office, even though yeah. neither of them worked in recruitment. Like I tried telling her one's a future NRL player and the other bloke's just this little short fat penguin bloke coming. You know. <laughs> so anyway, so we end up going into this dodgy bar and Dan and I order all these schooners and he just looks at me and goes, no, no, I need to have water. I'm shredding weight. So we're drinking the beers and we finished the podcast and he just looks at us and goes, I'm so envious of those beers. Like, I just want one. But he could and that's how dedicated he was to getting into first grade. So, nah, good on him because he was coming back from that knee injury. Yeah, too, right, yeah it was a shocker. Yeah. Um, so the frustrating thing that came from this game is we actually took the two points this week when we needed to, and uh, and we still lost because they they took the two points as well. Uh, I know that you boys ripped him, and me and Sam ripped him as well. Like, I still can't believe that decision against the Warriors. And then to see it last week, like, I was already half-pissed, but still, still, I was just nearly applauding because it was the first good coaching decision he's made all year. Oh mate, there's, I've got some questions for you from from the uh, listeners, and some a, a lot of them evolve around Josh Hannay. So it'll be interesting on uh, on your thoughts. Look, um, a frustrating game. You know, we shouldn't have lost it. Um, the The odd thing is, we're still in contention for a final spot because no one around us wants to win, and we've lost like three games by two points. So our yep. for and against hasn't been battered. So. That puts us in pretty good stead. Um, we now come up against the team, the West Tigers, who are on the same amount of points as us, but our four and against is far superior. We have to win this game if we are any chance of getting into week one of the finals. Surely, you know, we say this a lot. We're due. Like, seriously. Like, and you know, I was looking at the draws of all the teams around us and our draw. Like, Apart from the Knights, we had the next best draw. 100% we do. And we think, I read an article from Belly, uh, Craig Bellamy just did an interview today, and his response was he's pretty much going to rest the whole team against us in the last round. Yeah, if, like, he, if, he's, if he's got, I read that as well, if he's got the minor premiership wrapped up going into the final round, then there will be players that no one has ever heard of. Yeah, absolutely. And why wouldn't they? Like, take a week off and prepare, give yourself the best preparation. You probably already know who you're going to be playing. Yeah. Like, there's probably not going to be much in it. It's probably either Manly or Roosters, so they'll give themselves two weeks to prepare for both, and then they'll just rip in. They're the best in the business. So. They are. They are the best team in the competition, and they're so much fun to watch as well. Like you never ever wanted to watch Melbourne play when Cameron Smith was there, but now he's not there, and and Brandon Smith's their their go to guy. But um, yeah, on the Tigers, mate. Like I look at that team, and it's not good. It's it's a really ordinary team that just fights as well. Like they fight like we do. Yeah, losing to them would just be humiliating. The guy we're going to shut down is Adam Dewey. Yeah, you know their whole teams. I don't really rate it too much, but Adam Dewey, I do, and I know that he's off contract not next year but the year after, so he can talk. I think he can talk in November because yeah. we only have one more year left in there. And you know what? I re- I really think they're playing him in the wrong position. I know they've got six on their back, and you know six and seven are very similar positions, but seven is a little bit different. And I think if they gave him the reins. And they told Brooksy, so uh, Brooksy's a good player, but he's just in the wrong setup. He's just been there for too long, achieved nothing, and there's all this expectation on him now. He needs to go to a top four club or somewhere where he doesn't have to just be 
kind of the centrepiece. And I think Adam could actually carry that team quite well at seven. He just loves his hands on the ball. And you know what the modern-day seven's like. It's not really like when we were growing up when Paul Green was our halfback. Like, he's a way different position. So it's one of those things that I think he could be very similar to like a Jerome Hughes type where they've got that running game, but they can also start learning how to manage a game with the right sort of coach. And his kicking game is unbelievable. He reminds me of a very raw Trent Barrett in his size and build, lack of speed, his show and go, the way he always wants the ball. Like, you go and have a look at early Trent Barrett at the Dragons, and he would have his hands on the ball every set, like every play. And I think that's a great comparison, mate. And it's one of those things, especially as a half. Some of the halves just go missing, or they just, I don't know, maybe they're intimidated because they're a lack of experience, but... Not guys like like the guy that you mentioned. I loved watching Trent Barrett early on in his career. For a young bloke, he was like one of those things that, you know, he had Paul McGregor and all these guys outside him, and he would just command the ball. He was like 19 years old. Yeah. Like, it was crazy. Yeah, the grand final against Melbourne that they lost, you've got to think that if Anthony Mundine just stepped back and let Trent Barrett control that game when they were up 18-6, they win it. Yeah, absolutely. I just think those two didn't make a, a very good match at all. I think Chock probably... One of them should have either been playing in the centres or maybe just coming off the bench because as a pairing, you can't have two guys that want to be the, the showpiece. Someone needs to step back and, and be the either just, you know, like when Jeff Robson used to partner Todd Carney. Mm. They needed a Jeff Robson type to match one of those guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other the other piece that we need to shut down as well is Luke Brooks's fifth tackle kick to Ken Mormalo because Brooks has got that on a string at the moment. Ken, yeah. Ken is feasting. Yeah, Ken's done well since he's come come over, hasn't he? I know that his first couple of you. games were shit. Yeah, but now he's really picking it up. Now it seems like he's really buying into what the Tigers want to do, and Brooks is kicking the ball a lot more. That's something that has been noticeable over the last couple of months. Here. Especially when Adam Dewey went to centre. He literally got given the keys to the castle and he's doing better. I don't know if that's something like a, you know, Madge is hard to read because is he doing it to put Brooks on the shop front window to kind of get rid of him like he did to Moses? Well, because he's, he's got Jackson Hastings. It makes yeah. sense. He's got Justin, Jackson Hastings coming in. Hastings is a big boy, but Tez, he's six foot two and 95 kilos. He could easily play lock, man. He could, or they could put your your mate Dewey at seven and Hastings at six, where he's been killing the Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. He's would, killing it, man. Would uh, would you entertain Luke Brooks on a cheap deal? Yeah, absolutely. But how much is cheap, Terry? Like, well, he's on nine hundred thousand like apparently. Yeah, yeah, I know, mate. He is sometimes their managers like they do too good of a job. I, I was watching what three sixty last night, and Kenty was talking about it, and he was going. Well, you know, it's great to get 900K, but if you can't live up to it, you literally can't get moved unless they pretty much swallow more than half of it. Yeah, like, it's, it's the Corey Norman it contract. Yeah, absolutely. It's, Whatever Parramatta were thinking move, when they gave him nearly a million dollars. Mate, unbelievable. There, but there <laughs> are some fantastic managers. In, like, you've just got to have a look. The NBA's gone crazy with salaries, right? And you, you, a fair comparison. Lonzo Ball. His manager turned around and said that he wanted $85 million and the Pelicans laughed. He got him $85 million. Yeah. Like, and then there was the backfire with uh, Schroeder yeah. with the Lakers. And now he's on a what a – did he sign it somewhere? somewhere yeah, he, he went to he, – he had, he had a, a $100 million guarantee and he, he turned it down and then he's got $6 million at Boston. The market just dried up on him. And yeah. they still got a – yeah, and then the point guard market, we still haven't seen where Benny Simmons is going to end mm-hmm. up. So – 
Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting market, but he's definitely screwed himself. What's your What's your confidence levels for the Tigers game? Yeah, pretty high, considering that we've had a really bad six weeks. Like I said, we're due, mate. We're due. Yeah. And, like, realistically, when you think, if we can uh, come up with the same effort areas as we did against the Knights, because, like, realistically, the Knights are a team that probably sit somewhere between six and eight. So they are a good team. Let's not discredit them. They've got a lot of guns. They've got Pierce running at you. You know, they've got a good kicking game with Clifford. And then, obviously, Ponga is out of this world. I know he's carrying an injury at the moment, and it does tell. They've got a good pack of fours. You know, Tyson Frizz. So, Frizzell's awesome, man. They've, so, they've got a representative pack. They have yeah, a- absolutely. They're going to show us more than what... Like, apart from those two tries that they put on, they didn't even look like scoring against apart from that. So, if we give that effort, and we've got a... You know, obviously, we've got a couple of guys back. Like, surely Matt Moylan plays this week. I don't know, man. I, he's he's the most frustrating person. But you t- going back to the Knights game, like there was a, a, a time in the second half where we looked out on our feet, defending on our own try line. We give away a penalty. Oh, no, so we didn't give away a penalty. We gave away two sets of six in a row, and you can see the referee was going, come on, no more. There's There's got to be a warning. Then they forced mm. two dropouts as well, and I was like, it's going to break somewhere. We're, we're going to break. They're going to score. No, we held them out. And, yeah. you know, you're talking – Cronulla weeks ago conceded soft tries up the guts against the Broncos and yeah. the Raiders and, and these games, you know, manly, we had no ruck whatsoever. So if we can get that effort area, because the Tigers don't have a forward pack that intimidates us and probably their scariest player just got suspended for a week. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I could live like on Sunday, it was probably the least disappointed I was in yeah. terms of effort area. Yeah. Like effort area, it was quite good. I could live with a loss. If you give me your, your all, and I know that we're getting all this, because like realistically, look at our team that we've got out right. Yeah. So Sean Sean Johnson goes home. We release Chad Townsend. So there goes our two halves, starting halves from the start. Moylan's also in that that mix, right? So he's gone. Wade didn't even bother to come to the bubble. I'm not sure where he is. Josh Dugan didn't ever come into the bubble. He's been being a bad boy. Yeah. And then you got the whole heap of little pieces like Royce Hunt's out. Like we've got a whole heap of these guys. On a stack of money or in our top 17, not even playing, and we've got guys with only a handful of games in there at the moment, I actually think we, we did actually pretty well on Sunday. I was happy, man. Yeah, look, if we, if we, get the, if we somehow get the top eight, and you, again, like our, our draw says that we should get the top eight because like the, rate, the, the Titans are going to get thumped this weekend. So if you win, you can, you can probably overtake the Titans and go in there. I don't think the Raiders are going to win. I think the Raiders are playing manly. So therefore, and against could take a hammering as well. You go and beat yep. the Tigers. It doesn't matter what you beat them by. Beat them by one, beat them by 30. We're probably jumping back in the top eight. Then you've got the Broncos. We need some revenge against them. And then you've got a depleted Melbourne team. Like, you win this game, you get enough momentum to cruise in. And I know I know, you take the piss out of us. It'll be the third, third year in a row we'll get knocked out in week one. But getting semi-final football, Dan and I said it at the beginning of the year, getting semi-final football with the salary cap space that we had was really important because yep. if we're not fighting for the top eight this year, say we're in 14th position, our conversation with Nico Hines is so much different and he probably walks away with an extra $300,000. Yeah, absolutely. Dale totally Great. And it just kind of sets our culture right, mate. Yeah. So because the last, what, 10 years we've made eight or nine semifinals. Yeah. You know, we've made a prelim and we've won a grand final. We've got that kind of culture. When I was talking to Sammy a couple of weeks ago, I compared it to something like the you know Pittsburgh Steelers in the NFL. I think we're very Pittsburgh like. Like we are expected to, even though we're not meant to like contend for the title every year, we are 
always in the semi-final race. Yep. And we'll build ourselves to have a shot. And I still think that even though we're not in a premiership window, we're obviously going to be when Fitz comes and he brings all these guys. But right now we're not. But it's part of our culture and our DNA that we fight and fight and fight for this semi-final spot. And I'm pretty desperate to win these last three games yeah. and show people. Because I think, you know what, Terry, I reckon if we win these next three games as well, the confidence of that team going into the week one of the finals, I don't think you want to play us because we're scrappy, we're toilers, and we're going to give you a really, really hard game. As Manly experienced in, in that first half when we, we – yeah. if we didn't go to halftime in that game, like the best thing, we would have been a shot if we didn't have halftime. Correct. Like if we played 80 minutes of football Straight. without that 10 minutes in, in – like, we probably could have run over Manly, but we, we lost that momentum at halftime. They got to reset, recharge, comes up. We just couldn't match him, man. Josh Hannay's halftime speeches suck. They must. They are shit. Like, <laughs> and his, and his, pre, his pregame must suck too because we come out the blocks like a dead set. What do they call a really shit horse, Terry? Yeah, like just missed the jump. Like, yeah. like a donkey. Like, but. Yeah. But the the the, th- the thing is, like last year, right? And and here's the here's the comparison at the moment. And I I would say this, but last year, if we didn't come out of the blocks, it we would get thumped. This year, we've sort of found the way to wrestle that momentum back, right? So we start slow, but yeah, you know, we get ourselves back in the game. Like Newcastle scored after a minute, and you think it could be thirty nil at half time. But we, we, surely, were the, we were the best surely team. We, surely we can get Tony Robbins or some shit yeah. just to be like our pre-game and our like middle of the game yeah. just to motivate these guys. Just get someone in there. But his halftime speech is like we had all the momentum in the in the Broncos game, came out, got thumped. Um, the Warriors game, you know, we shouldn't have lost that. Not only did he give a shit halftime speech, he made the worst coaching decision <laughs> in history. Like, oh, my God, he's yeah, he's infuriating. Um, do you think it's because of his like countryness, his Queensland countryness, his laid backness? Like, do you think the players like obviously he he must be able to coach in some regard because he's making us win. Like Bomber couldn't even beat a top eight team, and he's done it a few times now. But my 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 mate Paul and he's he's a he's a character, and he's got some questions for you as well. But he turned around, <laughs> yep. and he goes, "Can you imagine getting yelled at by Josh Hannah? It'd be like getting screamed at by a butterfly." <laughs> <laughs> and. That was it. Like, same reaction to you, and I shouldn't have done that when you had a mouthful of water, but my God, like... I think Paul's onto something. Yeah, you you go in there at halftime and he starts going, you've had a shocker. Fuck off, mate. Go away. But, you know, then next year you've got someone like Fitz yelling at you and you're going to be like a cat. You're going to be, oh, fucking sorry, mate. Geez, up, you know. So, mate, who's Hannah's assistant coaches like? What's going well, he on? He was there? the assistant, wasn't he? That's what I mean. Like, have they replaced him? No, I think it's. I'm pretty sure. Like Daniel Holdsworth is involved in the club somewhere because normally yep. your assistants are out on the field, right? Like running the water, or that's that's what it's been for us. Um, I don't know if if Sam's mate Howlett is still at the club. Yeah, um, I think he is in a development role. Yeah, but maybe this is why we can do like all these developments because we we paid John Morris shit all. We're obviously paying this bloke. This bloke's probably on minimum wage to coach our first grade team. He's got no assistant coaches. Mate, yeah. we're saving millions of dollars. No wonder we're putting a pool up in Shark Park. Yeah, I know. I know. That's incredible. But, yeah, it's, you know, it's as you said there, we we have skimped, like, the last couple of years on assistant coaches. Like, Craig Sandercock, I don't, that was a disaster. We had Jim Dimmick, fair play. Like, Jim Dimmick's a, an absolute journeyman. But there yep. were some coaches this year who could have come and been our assistant coach. But I think, like, all signs pointed at the club knew that John Morris was not going to be here in 2021 because, 
you know, Bomber was in the media saying, Jesus, I'd love to work with Dean Pay. Um, yeah. You know, it'd be interesting if Jeff Tuvey. And then all of a sudden, Josh Hannay rocks up and he's like, oh, I'm your new assistant coach. Had no idea about it. So, you know, all, all point, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Like, it's funny. This has been, this has been a fun season um, for ways that I didn't know that fun existed. But it's also been a frustrating season. Like, you have a look at 2014 and we won the wooden spoon. At least we, at least the players look like they gave a shit. Like this year, sometimes you just think, did they really care about that performance? Mate, I still can't believe the roster management. Like yeah. some of these, you know, we we're talking about before the managers getting people good deals. How the hell is Josh Dugan on eight hundred and fifty grand? How is Sean Johnson on eight hundred and fifty grand? Was it, How is all these guys? Woodsy, what's he on six fifty? Yeah, I, I, well, see, we we were the victim of we took Aaron Woods, but we took his entire Bulldogs deal. But yep. the dogs only paid for his salary for for two of the three years that we had him. But the the alarming one that that I heard is between Matt Moylan and Sean Johnson this year, they're paid two million dollars. Jesus Christ! Mm. The only guy I get is Andrew Peter because yeah. he got unders for a numerous amount of, amount of years. It was literally the Sharkies kind of back endering or kind of a back end sort of mm. deal to kind of make up for what they didn't pay him mm. during the glory years. So I can live with Andrew Fafita's contract. Yeah, I can live with that because Andrew Fafita gave me the single most important moment of my Sharks life. Absolutely, yeah. mate. Well, I can so imagine you, that, you mate. Live, you live with that. And, you know, speaking of Fafita, it's come out today. He's had the successful surgery. He's going to be taken out of the coma soon. So that's that's awesome. Yeah, not, not the way man. that his career should be, you know, tailoring off with a bad body or whatever. But you know, fingers crossed, we get to see Fafita. I don't know if we'll see him on the field again, but hopefully he stays around in the club. Um, before we get to some questions, TK, there's still yeah. some, there's still some money left in our salary cap. This, you know, put put your put your player manager hat on right now. What are, what are what are the moves you're making to ensure that Fitz comes with a great pack or a great club, a great team for 2022? Tez, you know you've spoke, you brought him up before, David Clemmer, and I know that you know I've mentioned to him to you before, and we've had a little chat about it, kind of when we talk about it on Twitter and stuff like that. But he's the guy that really really stands out, and I think it's the enforcer type, like we really really lack, and you know I just want a middle that come out and I want the Bash brothers and I want them to actually have a really decent crack and I want someone that's crazy and I know that sometimes them can get crazy and you imagine him and Toby together and they fire up Brayden mm. like that could be a pretty deadly middle and I think it's something that especially with young halves like realistically yeah we did bring Nico Hines but he's still under 30 games in first grade there's a potential that Brayden Trindle might be our halfback he's under what 15 games of heart Halfback, you know, so they've got a very. We're going to need a very experienced middle with some leadership qualities and just someone that can really rattle the game up and change things up. So I'm on the David Clemmer as our next signing. Sixteen runs, 162 meters, tackles at 97 percent, has given away minimal penalties and made minimal errors this year. You will not find a bigger David Clemmer advocate in the team than me. Before I, before I pick you for your your second signing that you'd make. It's it's been announced that Luke Thompson can leave the Bulldogs if he secures mm. a four year deal. Would you take that? You know what? He's at eight fifty as well. I probably wouldn't. Yeah. I don't think you. I don't think you pay eight fifty for a middle. I think it's. I, I remember like Wayne Bennett a few years ago. He was talking about salary cap management and where you kind of put your money. 
And I think it's a lot. Do you watch a lot of NFL, Terry? I don't. I I'm a um. So uh, apart from lots of things that I am, I am a I'm a proud Englishman, and I follow anything with the word England or Britain in it. So I'm a New England Patriots fan. Okay. I'm, a, I'm a Tom Brady fan. So. I kind of watch Patriots games, and then I kind of like I was telling you about my Lakers hat with a Russell yep. Westbrook fan. I kind of enjoyed Tampa Bay this, year. Uh, yeah, the the Buccaneers, but um, I don't watch a lot of it and I don't understand it. So the floor is yours. Yeah, right. Just the analogy I was going to make is like a running back in the NFL. So, for example, you won't see a lot of running backs get drafted very, very high because their position and the skill level that's required is very re- replaceable, as is kind of like a winger and a front rower in rugby league. So the thing is, what Wayne Bennett was saying is like the two lowest paid positions generally in the teams that he coaches will be your front rowers and also your wingers because he feels that you can develop players and then you can also get journeymen as well in those positions to actually fill them. So I don't think we should overpay, especially for someone like Luke Thompson because he's had a really good kind of back end of the year. But like I watch a lot of Super League, so I knew who he was coming into last year when he came in. And I said to a lot of people, just give him a little bit of time. He's got to acclimatise. He's come here without his girlfriend, without his family. There's a lot of things happening behind the scenes. If he gets a proper off-season, he'll probably have a pretty good season, which he has done this year. Then they get the cattle next year, a lot of pieces around him, and I guess he's probably got a position that he can probably thrive in, right? But at 850K, I think at the time, Bulldogs were that desperate to get players and good players into their thing. Like, you know, you spoke about it before, about the ladder position. We'll determine, with Nico Hines, you were saying, if we weren't a semi-final team, we'd be paying an additional three hundred grand. I still think if the Bulldogs just say we're making the top eight, he would have came for like six hundred. He wouldn't have been on eight fifty. So I think they've overpaid only because they had to because they needed good players. And then he kind of, I guess it was kind of in his favour because he was considered one of the best props in the world. So it's kind of him doing them a favour instead of them doing him a favour. So I think eight fifty is probably a little bit too much. If the Bulldogs can maybe, you know, they've seen in the past that they would kind of take some of it. They've done it with Woodsy. I think 650 is a good price for Lukey Thompson. I just don't think we should be overpaying. So I think he's a position that we can replace him. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be comfortable paying him more than Dale Finucane. Let's Let's put it that way. And we got Dale Finucane at a bargain. But the the interesting one is Clemmer's on around about 800000 as well. So you'd be asking the Knights to be chipping in a substantial amount of money to get Clem here as well. Yeah, it's actually funny as well because Luke's from St. Helens, right? And he's, he's partner a scouser. Saint, yeah, his, his partner over in St. Helens was a guy called Alex Wormsley. Mm, Alex yep. Wormsley is a big he's machine. A scary he's a human. Unit. And you know what? Out of the two of them, the guy I would have actually picked was actually Alex and not Luke. Mm. I actually think he would have stand out a little bit more. But the only difference is Luke's a little bit younger. I think Luke's 26 mm. by memory. Yeah, and I know Alex Wormsley's is 30. 30, yeah. 30, yeah. So that's the only thing. But if Alex want to have a crack and have a couple of years, I would not, like, if you want to pick again, you know, England is a pretty good, like, I could say there's probably 25 to 30 players in the English Super League right now that could easily play in the NRL. Mm. And I think it's one of those things that if you're running out of options in Australia and you want to go over and maybe pay a little bit of unders, especially right now because the Super League's doing really, really tough. So they're looking to offload a few contracts as well. So if Alex maybe wants to have a crack, I would have no qualms in us having a crack at someone like Alex Wormsley. It's funny you say that because remember when Sam Burgess came over um, to the Rabbits in 2011 and they were saying that the best forward in the Super League at that time was a guy named Earl Crabtree. 
Do you remember Big Earl? Big guy with a big ponytail. He was fucking enormous. Um, and when teams started having a look at Earl, if, when, when NRL team started having a look at Earl, he did his ACL. And then when he came oh, back, he did man. his Achilles. So, he, you know, Sam was, Sam was the steal. But they were saying that there was a better bargain. And that's, that, that's sometimes when you have a look at the guys like Luke Thompson, who was making 15, 16 metres a run in the Super League. It was because Alex Wormsley was taking the first hit up, getting a quick play of the ball. So yeah, I absolutely. agree with you on They'll, that one. If I was the Bulldogs, I'd grab both of them if they had the opportunity because yeah. they've already been proven as a pair. They need any more forwards. But, yeah, it'll be interesting, especially if the if the rumours are true that that Agar from Leeds is coming over. You know, he re-signed. Be, he re-signed that, with Leeds for one year. Oh, he, he did actually yeah. re-sign, did he? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. It would have been nice if he came over because it would have given us a little bit of a, you know, someone with a little bit of extra knowledge, you know, yeah. someone that would be just studying the game from a week-to-week basis. Well, look, knowing- your, your mate Fitz knows him quite well because he coached Fitz. So I dare say that we did try to get him and we, we weren't successful, but Fitz would still be having those chats going, Oi, which team's really struggling for money and who can we get? You know, it's, it's funny that, you know, I, I heard Danny, Danny Madeiras told me once that they were trying to, because, you know, he's a general manager of football at, at Newcastle, and because he's got that contact with Leeds, him, them and Leeds were trying to do some sort of kind of, it's not a merger, but kind yeah. of like the some sort of partnership yeah. where they're kind of like, I guess for the NRL teams, the biggest thing is kind of sending young players over there. And then probably for the English Super League team, you know, the guys that really want to have a crack, you're able to send them back over to the Super League. So you're kind of getting that sort of win-win relationship. Like, I always thought that maybe, especially Fitz, because Fitz and Steve McNamara, uh, Steve coaches over at Catlins at the moment, like, wouldn't be a bad place to actually have some sort of link because then you're kind of going into France, right? You might be able to steal some French talent. At the same time, Steve is a very sharp operator and he gets some of the best English talent over to the Catlins as well. Like, yeah, it's something next time I will see, hopefully, fits. I will mention it to him. So I think that's a that's a good partnership we could get, man. Who else are you signing? I'll give you two more players that you can sign. It's an interesting one. Well, we need a centre and we need a halfback, let's be honest. It just depends. Like, wherever you're throwing one money, you're probably getting a cheapie in the other department, right? So realistically, in the centre department, one of my, one of my mates... He's good mates with Braden Burns, and he, he says that he's one of the best humans that he's ever met. I actually rate him as a player as well, so I don't mind Braden Burns. So if we sign him on a on a nice little couple of hundred, I know, and he lives in the development that we we put up as well. So he lives and breathes down at Sharks. So wouldn't surprise me if maybe Braden Burns ends up there, and then him and maybe Connor Tracy could tussle it out for a starting centre role. So I think both of them could deserve that that spot, and then that will give us an opportunity maybe to have a crack at maybe like someone like a Brooksy. So we did have a crack at Braden Burns when he was coming off contract at um at Penrith when before he went to Souths. We had a we had a great chat with Braden Burns and I know someone who knows Braden very, very well. So I've been trying to dig for info on that. But um yeah, Burns was all but a shark until the Rabbitohs came in and said, you know, heads up, we're we're making some pretty serious moves. We'd love you to be here. And they offered him about fifty grand a year more than we could and end up it ended up being money that he couldn't turn back because he was pretty injury prone when he was a kid and he's still being injury prone now. So it wouldn't surprise me if we revisited that conversation. Yeah, for sure. I was speaking to my mate last week and I think he did confirm that we actually have touched base with him. Mm. So it wouldn't surprise me if you know talks to Dolph. I think the biggest probably thing against us is Dan Gagai going yeah. to Newcastle. 
Yeah, but like, they, they've, they've got a young they've got a young center as well because my, my friend's a sponsor of the the rabbits and they've got this young center, eighteen or nineteen years old, and he's apparently as big and strong as Latrell Mitchell, but he just can't keep himself fit. So, you know, fingers crossed. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'll throw some other names at you as well. Um, say say we don't get Clemmer, would you entertain Marty to power? For the right amount, yeah. He's pretty aggressive. What about there's a guy there's a guy at uh, our cl- at Fitz's club at the moment. Uh, Takiyaho. Yeah. Yeah, he, I would. I'd, I'd actually take him before Clem. Yeah, because the money that was being offered to him in the in the Super League apparently that deal can't go through because the Super League is set to cut their cap by further twenty five percent, and it's already yeah. shit at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Like the thing is, like because Fitz. Speaking of Fitz last off-season, he said Takiyaho had a really, really good off-season. Really rates him too, mate. And then at the same time, gives us an additional goal kicker. Mm-hmm. They really rate his goal kicking down there as well. He probably hasn't got the minutes this year that he probably deserves. And I think that's a probably stacked. It's a stacked middle. Plus, Lindsay Collins, before he got injured, he was absolutely just blowing yeah. them away. So yeah. he, he earned his minutes. And he, also, he was an origin player as well on origin money. So there's no doubt that maybe... They saw probably the end of the road for Takiyaho. They know when probably players are coming towards probably past their value point, I reckon Roosters do really, really well. And then they are able to bring in younger players. But I still think that he's got something of value that he could bring to the Sharks team. Fitzy knows him well. and He'll know the role that he has to come down. He's big and fast and he's something a little bit different to what we've had over the last few years. So, yeah, Takiyaho or Clem. Mate, if we can get both, Jesus. I would I would sacrifice a halfback to get both of to get both of them. You know, you live with Braden Burns because I could go and play halfback behind that pack. Um, <laughs> you're a tall, you're a tall halfback, mate. <laughs> I've got I've got some questions for you now. This is from Rich, who apologised for his swearing. Um, the first one is why the fuck is Herodi playing this weekend? I think we've just run out of players. Yep. there's no doubt that James got dropped. Like, stop saying. That he got dropped because of this, because he, Hannay just doesn't like what he did on the field in terms of that's just not his go, right? Yeah. And that's fine. That's the way he coaches. But let's be honest. It's not because of form. I know he missed that one tackle that led to a try. But realistically, when a bloke drives how, how many Ks to get into the bubble, does all that stuff out of Shark Park, leaves his wife and the kids, like, he's already shown what sort of clubman he is. Like, please. Like, you dropped him because you don't like his contact on the field, but at least admit it. Yeah, like, admit it, yeah. Um, so it was the same question about Billy Magoulis again, but we've run out of players. And then Richie said, don't say you've run out of players. What about Kai O'Donnell? Well, I've never seen Kai O'Donnell play. And then his final question, or well, two questions, why the fuck is Hannay being a dick? Because <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's just a dick. Yeah. Like, I, I, just said he, I just think he's a relief teacher, mate. Like yeah. sometimes... He's a substitute. Yeah, sometimes people aren't meant to be the head coach. Like, we, we don't know 100% what's going on behind the scenes. Josh Hatt might have some really good qualities. Obviously, Fitz sees some good qualities in him because mm. his item is his assistant coach. He didn't have to. Familiarity is what I'm going for there. He, he needed someone who'd been around the playing group and, you know, having having little conversations with, with Toby, despite the fact that Hannay is as intimidating as a butterfly, the players do respect him. So yeah. um, what did we do to deserve this? Now, this this could be anything, but it's probably Cronulla. What did we do to deserve it? Terry, we deserve this because we're never meant to win a grand final. We're meant to be 
tormented for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. Somehow we broke that. I don't know what happened. Back to the future. Someone changed something, and we won a premiership. Like, that's it. That's what's happened. So now I, that's what I'm thinking. Like as long as long as we can keep referring back, and YouTube doesn't take it off, and KO doesn't take it off, so we can't. We can continue to watch it. I've got no problems. We've won that premiership. Right. Um, what's Fitz's biggest challenge heading into the preseason? Defense. We haven't had a defensive line since Flano left, really. Like, let's be honest. Like, Bomber was a very offensive orient orientated coach. Most of the styles and structures were continued by Hannay in most regards. Like, we really do not have a defensive set. Like, we need to go back to, and we spoke about this last week, and you'll know this well. Remember the 2011 season? We used to just fight teams. Remember that set against when remember the Dragons were the yep. defending champions? We played them on that Monday night, and we had Jeremy Smith, Gaub, Toops, Snowden, Dougie. Lost, we have Dougie and what, was Bomber the Bomber the hooker. Yeah, yeah Bomber was. was the hooker. Yep. Yeah. And remember that defensive set of six? They come to our field, and I've never seen a defensive set of six like that in my life. They made four meters. They did, and they got bashed on every single tackle by four players. And that's what we need. We need to bring back, not bring back the fifth, just bring back the aggression and distrust. The biggest thing, I think, especially Fitz has taken me through a couple of like his defensive sort of kind of philosophies. And it's kind of like, it's not like a ballet, but it's kind of like a, he talks about this rhythm that they all need to go into and all buy into and be able to move in cohesion without, like it becomes like a natural thing that, you saw how the Roosters defend, especially when they're full strength. Saw how New South Wales defended for the whole Origin series. You know how it just looks beautiful, the yeah. way that they all fight for each other and, like, they all move. There's no laziness. There's just something just beautiful. That's going to that's gonna take a while because our playing roster, even with the addition of guys like Cameron and Dale and Nico, there's still a lot of work to be done there. Yeah. Like, a lot of work. So that, that question came from Josh, and he's fired in another one. What tinkering would you like to see for the remainder of the year to test players and positions and potential new players getting a debut? Yeah, that's a good question by Josh. I'd like to see maybe Connor move back into the centres, because I think that's yes. where his long-term situation is. I'd love to see Braden take the dominant position he's playing now but have a confident six outside him and someone with a little bit of flair like Matty Moylan. Mm-hmm. Because... I don't think Connor's. That's he's more of a no frill sort of a five eight because realistically, he's developed more into a centre or winger. As we saw last week, when he moved back for Ronnie, when he moved back to the left wing, Connor was sensational, mate. Yeah, he caught two real good bombs and he made a couple real good breaks. He's the one that led to Metcalf going through that break yeah. as well. So I really think he's an outside back, and I think Matt Moylan. Just with his ability to create something from nothing, I think that will create just a little bit more confidence that Braden doesn't have to do everything. Mm-hmm. And I think I would love to see that scenario because at the moment we're kind of seeing Braden's good. You know, all of us, we all say it. Let's be honest. Braden's good. Braden's shit. Braden's good. Braden's shit. But realistically, he's out there by himself. Like, I would love to see him with not only Will Kennedy, but with Matty Moylan, all of them together. There's no doubt that Blake Braley's improved over the last three weeks. He's run more in the last three weeks than he has all season. Like, so that's a big thing. So can you imagine if that spine gets an actual opportunity together? I will just love to see it just a few times and just see what we can actually develop with that. Very good. Uh, now, this is a question from Paul who called Josh Hannah a butterfly. Uh, 
TK, having a relationship with Fitz, have you any indication or idea around his way of thinking when it comes to style and structures and implementation within our style, both defensively but more importantly, offensively? Now, yeah, we I just spoke about, about defensively. Yeah, defensively. Offensively is going to be interesting because he's not an – he comes from a defensive. He's always been – he's got a lot of autonomy, mate, mm. a lot of autonomy at the Roosters. His defense is literally the defense that they do. Like Trent literally just agrees with pretty much all the stuff that he does. But I think the offensive side of things, I think he's going to probably have to rely on a lot of things that he's learned from probably Trent Robinson over the years. Trent Robinson's had some great assistance, but some great attacking coaches as well. One of them was Adam O'Brien as well that we mm. faced last week. So it's going to be interesting to see what – I don't know what Fitz is going to do, but realistically, Freddie pretty much praised Fitz for being literally the head coach yeah. during Origin. Yeah, that, that that's one of the things that um, the biggest takeaway from mine was when Freddie spoke about him. He said, mate – there were days when they were walking out to, you know, Freddie was walking out to get set up for training and Fitz already had the guys doing laps. And he's like, mate, this guy was just a machine. He was like living and breathing and they were telling him to calm down, but he couldn't. <laughs> That's You know what? We'll really show that picture at the end when they had the shield. Mm. They put Fitzy in the middle of it. Mm. Like... That's a very unusual to put your assistant coach in the middle and all the boys hugging him and having a beer with him. Like... Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt that that's probably what got us Dale Nukin over the line. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Because there was for a while there, we we sort of had a chat and then went away. And I think out of necessity, we came back. And and it wouldn't have surprised me if if that was a Fitz factor return. I said, oh, by the way, I've been with this guy in Origin now for the last two weeks. Come on, you know he wasn't even meant to play the. First, well, he didn't play the first two games, and we came in. He came in, and we made him our vice captain. Like you need to get this guy leadership qualities, hard running, excellent defense. Yeah, you're right there. Um, we've uh, he's uh, we've spoke about this. It was just a bit about recruitment. Uh, and there's a question for both of us. What is the expectation going into 2022? What's a pass think, and what's a fail? I think top six. Mate. Top six, absolutely. Yeah, top six. Somewhere, like, let's be realistic. It's going to take a lot of luck to be in the top four because yeah. that top four, you need injuries, you need a squad depth. Like, we talked about kind of instilling that defensive kind of thought. In, that's going to take a long, long time. Like, don't be surprised if we're just kind of around that seventh or eighth position, especially for the first half of the year. I think that's where we want to be. Because I think the second half of the year, I think that's when the boys will start implementing it and it'll become a lot more natural because it's going to be a new game plan, new coach, everything. Mm. So it's one of those things that I think we've just got to be patient with it, especially for the first 12 weeks. And if we are, I think we'll see some really good rewards, especially if we can stay injury-free. Yeah, I think that's a huge thing. Yeah, yeah. Top top six for mine. Like the improvement not only in the roster but in the coach as well. I think I think that's going to be huge. Now, here's a very, very good question, and I'll let you answer this. Do you believe that the media are pumping Fitz up so much that it's possibly setting him up for failure? Absolutely. Like, he's coming in with the biggest expectations as an assistant coach going into a first-grade role. Probably, I can't remember, a bigger one. But Apart from Craig Bellamy. Is, yeah, probably since Craig Bellamy, but he's also probably had the best probably a better apprenticeship than any assistant coach in the history of rugby league. Like he's waited for the right opportunity for the right club at the right time. He's had like five or six offers and he said no to him every single one. He was waiting for the right one. And I haven't asked him like, maybe I will maybe in the off season, if I get to catch up with him, were you waiting for Cron? Like maybe he was, 
Like, maybe he saw the opportunity once Flano left. The fact is, like, without Flano leaving, they probably thought that it was going to be Flano's job till he wanted to go. But once the necessity of him leaving, like, he, there's no doubt that because most of the stuff that he got was over the last three years, right? So that was when Bomber was in charge. So maybe he didn't see the opportunity yet, but then he was waiting, waiting, waiting. Or maybe he saw some weaknesses at the Sharks and he goes, well, given my history, my family history with the club, maybe that's a club that I want to coach or I'll stick with the Roosters because he was very comfortable at the Roosters too. He was driving 90 minutes each way to train. That's how much he loved the Roosters. Yeah, he, li- so, he lives down in Shell Harbour way, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, the Dragons wanted him. Yeah. So he could have went 10 minutes down the road, but he didn't want the Dragons role. Yeah. So there has to be something else than just finding the – Maybe it was something to do with us. Yeah. I, I just got a little suspicion. I'll, I'll, say, I'll say this um, because I, I know a couple of assistant coaches around the NBL and ABA, and they yep. always they always say that when you're going for that head coach role, you can't just take any head coach role. You have to take the right roster, right? And I think that's what Fitz waited for because he looked at our roster with the experience that we had but also the depth and the junior depth that we had. And I think that's why he picked us over the Dragons. Um, I do. Th- I don't think that we've. I don't think that Fitz is going to fail like a Stephen Kearney or, you know, the struggles that Adam O'Brien or Brad Arthur are having. Because as yeah. you said, he's had a better apprenticeship and he's probably. He's he's stuck in one of the well. He's stuck in the most successful club in the last decade. Like we know how good Melbourne were, but the Roosters won more premierships. It's, it's a fact. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's going to be. I don't think he's going to fail, but I think we need to hedge our expectations of, you know, being a top four club straight away. I think, you know, come year three, when he's really got his feet on the table, we'll be fighting for that premiership. Yeah, I think the good thing about Fitz, he'll make no excuses, you know, win, lose or draw. But I think the biggest thing and the difference between Fitz coming in and a lot of new coaches, the roster and the salary cap space. A A lot of coaches get hired. Like, for example, Michael McGuire is still facing some issues that Ivan Cleary created for him. Yeah. Like he's still got bullshit like Russell Packer on his books for like eight hundred grand. Umbai like, for nine fifty. Like yeah, exactly right. And now he's had to offload him and pay for the majority of his contract just to get him away. Yeah. Like the big thing in Fitz's favour is he's got the three players well, two players, sorry. He's got Nico Hines and Dale Panukin that he wanted. And then he inherited Cameron McInnes, which I think given that he's part of the setup with New South Wales Blues, he would have had no problem with him signing as well. So he's inherited three very, very elite players, and he's still got some space to come. So we've still got, what, another two or three signings at least. So he's in a better spot than most most first coach, first-year coaches. I'm sorry. Absolutely, mate. We've got to wrap this up. So give you a podcast to plug. Where can we find you on the socials before this is over? Yeah, thanks, Des. Thanks for inviting me on. But, yeah, talking with TK, that'll be back, the interview stuff. That's just on wherever you find your podcast, just like Finn's up. And... The other one is Talking League, which is my Fantasy League podcast. And we've only got two weeks to go. So if you're in your Fantasy League, check out some of the episodes. We have a lot of fun every single week. So if that's something you're interested in, jump in that. But yeah, the, the interview stuff should be back. I've spoken to a few of the boys. So maybe I do need a break. <laughs> I need to get it. And with all this COVID stuff, I might need to get on the cans for about eight weeks. So I might need to delay this to at least December. Yeah. All right, look, Tristan, it's been awesome having you on here and it's great not having to speak to Dan for a night. So thank you so much, man. We won't, we won't wait uh, the two years from me hitting you up again. We'll, uh, we'll get you back on shortly when Sam says you can. Nah, I'm looking forward to it, mate. Thanks, Terry, for 
having me on and uh, all the best for the rest of the year and mate hopefully we're both out of lockdown soon have a we'll crack open a beer too mate yeah absolutely cheers